again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 28 of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars, my third dip into the Clan Mason series. Always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at sites like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All of your thoughts and feelings are always appreciated, and I always love reading what you guys have thought, and what you're thinking, and the directions you want me to go in. And if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider while you're there? My original story told on that one site and that one site only. And you know, if big girly dragon-esque girls, orcs, elves, magical realms, multiple worlds and undead are your thing, check it out, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And also while you're there, why don't you check out the ghostly link section. Pick yourself up a copy of Mortis from either Smashwords or from Amazon. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. This is all fan fiction. I'm just here to keep the Huntresses happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 27. Ocean of Black. Tick Ellis breathed a sigh of relief. She never doubted her beloved one's abilities or skill in combat or in the hunt. But when she wasn't there at his side, she couldn't help but worry about him. It was her greatest fear that he would die without her there at his side, in a rightful place, so that they could go together hand in hand into the eternal hunt, as was supposed to happen. Grand Matriarch, we're getting a communication from home, comms officer Talak said, peering at her console. Put it up. Tick said, and Talak punched a few keys, making the visual screen on the bridge change to show Yoshi's face. It was a relay message, not direct, so it was a recording. It would have been stored in the nearest satellite's relay buffer until the jamming was cleared, so that the satellite could lock onto the Dreamer's transponder and send the message through. Grand Matriarch and Patriarch, I have excellent news. We've completed work on the Dreadnought. It's still being loaded up with munitions and supplies, and Seller Aleth is sorting out a crew for it, but we anticipate it will be able to shortly join you, and I'm very pleased with the results. Both myself and my beauty queen could not be happier with our hive's efforts here. This truly is a ship worthy to be deemed the new flagship of the clan, and to carry the mark. We'll send further update when she's ready to launch. Yoshi out, he said. Tick clicked happily. This new Dreadnought class would truly turn the, any battle to their favour. She had personally reviewed the specs for these things when the Hive had floated them in a clan meeting, and both her and her beloved one had been utterly blown away by them. It had been a truly ambitious project, requiring a complete restructure and refit of the space dock to build it, let alone house the damn thing. But in the long run, it would be truly worth it. This was a ship that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Yuzuta clan ship many times its size and win. Tick pressed her chair comms button. All hunter teams meet me in the hangar dock. It's time to get this show on the road, as my beloved one says. She then turned to Vess, who was second-ranking bridge officer under her. Dreamer is in your hands. I'm going to stretch my legs and some porking necks. Tick said with a dark grin on her mandibles. You can count on me, Grand Matriarch, Vess said, slamming her fist into her armoured breastplate. 
and Tick nodded at the young but incredibly competent Xeno-Praetorian female. She was one of the most brilliant tacticians she'd ever seen, true credit to Ayn and Murphy's hive. In fact, Tick had been quite incredibly glad her queen had encouraged her to join the saviours rather than become a farmer. Her talents would have been sorely wasted at home managing crops. Although Tick was under no illusion, she'd have done it brilliantly if she had chosen to, that to do with her life. As Tick was about to leave the bridge, Vess spoke again. Please take good care of my human for me, Grand Matriarch, she said, and Tick smiled brightly and nodded. He's a hunter, Vess, and a damn good one. Don't worry, he's got the whole clan and his Grand Matriarch backing him up. He'll do just fine, she said, and Vess nodded her large crested head obviously summoning her courage for the battle ahead. It was a feeling Tick knew well. She never worried for herself, just the one she loved, and Tick herself had presided over Christopher's mate hunt alongside Annalise, who was the presiding seeker that day. They had both seen Vess's determination to catch him, and catch him she had. Tick still remembered the smile they were both wearing when Vess emerged from the jungle carrying her human prize bridal style in her long arms. Just two short days later, she'd become a Praetorian, much to Queen Anne's pride and joy. Christopher himself had passed out into the ranks of the hunters and become a fine addition to their numbers. He was well liked among his brothers and sisters of the gold, always quick with a joke or a word of encouragement. His attitude had gotten many recruits through a gruelling training that was designed to test strength, mental fortitude and teamwork. As Tick Elleth now strode out into the dreamer's hangar deck, the remaining hunters aboard had all formed up into ranks and they instantly snapped to attention the moment she stepped in. Grand Matriarch on deck! Tension! Sergeant Major his vo yelled, his voice booming throughout the whole ship. The beloved one was right. Every single one of them could shout louder than a god. Tick outlined the plan to them over the next twenty minutes and set them out into teams. Hunter One, her own personal team, would be with her, as always. They weren't taking battle angels with them this time. They'd be needed at home if there were any wounded to be ferried back. Plus, in this style of combat, there was little time to stop. Soon enough, each of the t ten hunter teams and ten saviour teams were loaded into the shuttles. No sooner had they left the Dreamer's shuttle base than they were cloaked and they went to silent running. This assault had to be a complete surprise for the Scalathor. If they even got wind that they were coming, it'd be all over before they even got close. These shuttles couldn't go up against a cruiser or a frigate and stand a single hope in hell of surviving it. As they got closer, Tick Aleth could see the shuttles leaving the frigate's hangar bays, obviously ferrying troops down to the su and supplies down to the ground bases one of which was now completely under their control. But there were many others down there. How many more was unknown until they got a hold in one of these ships and their teams on the ground were able to pull it from their network. But by the sheer amount of movement they were seeing, it must be quite a few. Seems they'd learned their lesson from the attack on the Serpentinus. You don't go up against friends of Clan Mason lately or you'll be tasting your own tail hole for days when your head gets rammed right up it. Thirty seconds out, Grand Matriarch. Their pilot called back and Tick nodded. Enter through their open hangar bay doors. 
be a lot quicker than us having to cut through the hatches or the hull, she said, and the pilot gave her a thumbs up. Through the large bubble-like window of the shuttle, they could see the large Scalathor frigate looming up out of the back sea of the black all around them. You all know the drill. Secure both the bridge and the engine room. Top priorities. Our primary objective is so to capture it. But if not possible, then we overload the weapons and engines and move on to the next. Dick said, and there were nods all of affirmation all around. Every single one of them activated their cloaking systems now as the shuttle silently slipped into the hangar bay just before the doors closed and the pilot lay expertly set them down away from the other shuttles. Dick could already see the confused faces of the Scalthor engineers who'd heard noise in an empty hangar bay. The shuttle door opened silently and the team slipped out before the sh shuttle buttoned back up and sat there in the shadows waiting to extract the team when needed. Where possible, hunters always preferred a stealth infiltration to an all-out assault. It was good to learn a prey's weaknesses before an attack was launched. It was just good hunting technique. Rather than go with weapons hot and free, the team followed their Grand Matriarch as they moved silently through the hangar bay, which was loaded with crates of weapons and supplies ready to be shipped down to the troops on the ground. Seizing or destroying this ship would be a massive blow to the Scalathorn Draconis war effort, because not only would they lose that supply line, but they would lose part of their orbital air cover as well. Slipping silently into the corridors of the ship, the team split up, two of the saviours and two of the hunters heading for engineering, and Tick leading the other half towards the bridge. When they encountered people in the corridors, the team merely hugged the wall and let them pass, or ducked into a side corridor out of sight. Using this method, they were able to traverse the entire ship undetected, thanks to their cloaking tech keeping them hidden. All of Tick's hunters and Celera's saviors were well disciplined, and knew not to use a railgun round aboard a ship, as there was a damn good chance of shooting through the ship hull that if you missed your target, it would cause a potential decompression. Which, while it wouldn't affect the hunters, thanks to their magnetic boots and fully space-sealed suits, capable armour, it would be something they would rather avoid. Though, as a quick way of killing a ship's crew if needed, disabling a bulkhead door from sealing shut and blowing a bloody big hole in the hull to vent the ship's air supply was a pretty decent method. Though, to be fair, Tick preferred a much more hands-on approach to dealing with her enemies, rather than killing using coward methods if she could avoid it. A point she proved when the elevator door suddenly pinged open and she charged onto the bridge heading right for the rather surprised captain of the vessel. The captain herself, who was a rather well-groomed woman dressed in a crisp blue uniform with a chest full of what appeared to be medals, most likely given for males raped and species abused, Barely even had time to issue a squeak of alarm as Tick's custom-made wrist blades, lovingly built by her most beloved one, appeared out of her back and dripping with crimson blood. When you see your porking dark seed, tell them Tick Elf Mason, right hand of the Eternal Huntress, says we're coming for them, she said to the surprised-looking dying woman before letting her drop back into her seat where she expired more less than a second later. Tick's battle roar in the confined space of the bridge scared the living shit out of the remaining Scarthor, 
freezing them in place before her and her team cleaned house, not giving a single one of them a chance to single, signal an alarm. Vexy, a female Rejuta saviour, rushed up to the main command console and began plugging her tools into it. While Reggie, a male human saviour, rushed to the pilot seat and began working the controls. Engine room is ours, Grand Matriarch. What are your orders? Liana, a female human saviour's voice, came to the comms in her helmet. Lock it down. We're scrambling their access codes right now. Pretty soon the whole crew will be locked out of anything on their own ship. Normally I might say vent the atmosphere, but a report came in from our ground, force, ground forces told of the presence of hostage male Scalthors being used as comfort males. I will not let these innocents perish by our hands. Once this ship is fully under our control, the crew is either be killed or contained. Then I want it searched and these males located, ready for transport for the to the Dreamer for treatment. If these vile animals cannot show their own species what freedom and joys of life are, then Clan Mason will do it for them. Tex snarled into the comms. At once, Grand Matriarch, Leanne said, and the comms cut off quickly. Tech truly couldn't wait to get down into that jungle alongside her beloved male and really show these porkers what real jungle huntress could do. Suddenly the network lit up as the other hunter teams began calling in to inform her of they had taken control of their own respective ships. No casualties sustained by any clan mason forces. They're now essentially in covert control of exactly half of the Scalthorn Draconis fleet. Grand Matriarch, we've sealed all of the blast doors and bulkheads, trapping the vast majority of crew in completely useless areas. Plus, we've located the mail storage areas. These fucking bastards have actually labelled it mail storage, like they're some kind of object. Plus the engineering room team taking control, full control of the engines and weapons. So now, effectively, the whole ship is under our control, Vexy snarled angrily. Tick nodded approvingly. Then an idea struck her. She didn't like it, but it would be efficient. Is the mail area locked down, and are there any crew members in there? She asked, and Vexy checked their console and looked back at her. It's locked down behind sealed bulkheads, and I'm not detecting any true crew transponders in the area but I am detecting 20 male life signs in there, she said, her voice sounding pretty sad. Tech snarled angrily, then blew out a deep breath. Speed was needed here in order to make this work properly. Tie us into the Dreamer's network and get us marked as friendly, then isolate the male area and vent the atmosphere on every deck except the male area. As much as this leaves a bad taste in my mouth, we need to remove this fleet from play. We cannot risk them getting wind of our control of one of their FOBs, let alone half of their ships. Tick said quietly, and Vexy looked at her and then nodded her large head. Yes, Grand Matriarch, she said, and moments later Tick heard the telltale sounds of air being shut off to the outer and the outer hatches being opened to suck the vast majority of the air quickly out, while the rest was simply sucked out by the ship's pumps effectively suffocating the crew while leaving the males and the clan mason operatives untouched. Tick pressed her comms button. This is Hunter 1-1 to, to the Dreamer and all clan mason ships. Move into position and prepare to attack on my order, she said, 
receiving a host of acknowledgement in response. Moments later, the dreamer emerged from behind the moon, which would have been hiding behind, coming slowly into ship's sensor scopes. Instantly, the Scalafor fleet began to turn to intercept it, and under Tick's orders, the captured ships moved among them and moved alongside them to keep up the charade of still being on the Scalafor's side. The fleet commander opened communications with the dreamer, and Tick listened in. Enemy vessel, power down your engines and weapons and surrender. You cannot possibly hope to stand against the mighty Scalathor and Draconis empires, the fleet commander snarled. But Vess was not easy to intimidate, and being a Praetorian did have its perks. Funny, I was about to say the same thing to you, but given your past form I doubt you'll listen to reason. So I'll simply say this, if you stand against Clan Mason or our peaceful allies, you will suffer the consequences. We are the allies of the good people of Raptoria, so I'll make it simple for you so you can understand it. Stand down and surrender and live, or stand against us and die. But either way, this unprovoked attack on a proud and peaceful people will be answered and justice will be served. Vess said with such power and venom in her voice that it even made Tick shiver a little. But she also felt her heart swell with pride. Vess was a true poster child for the belief in the ideals of Clan Mason. The commander actually began laughing at her. Look around you, you fool. You're outnumbered twenty to one. What chance do you even believe you have here? She growled and Tick actually heard Vess's smile in her words. See, now that's the mantra of the dumb right there. For you see, it's not the enemies you can see that you should be worried about. It's the ones that you do not. Commander Vess to all Clan Mason ships. Fire, Vess said and tick at the button. In perfect sync, all of their cruisers decloaked and fired on their charged plasma weapons and torpedoes at near point-blank range. While at the same time, the captured Scalhoff frigates and cruisers turned their weapons on their oblivious comrades as well, blasting their shields away with their first salvo, which opened them right up to the incoming heavy torpedoes and railgun shots from the Dreamer. The Scalathor never even got a chance to either know or understand what the hell had hit them. The sheer amount of firepower the, combi the combined fleet unloaded into the unsuspecting and vulnerable Scalathor ships was truly incredible. Tyrick felt a surge of grief and anger in her heart as she watched those ships exploding. But it wasn't their crews that she felt a single nanosetting of pity for. It was the innocent males that must have been aboard, who had never harmed anyone, but now were losing their lives in a war that they had no choice being dragged into. Collateral damage to Clan Mason was a truly horrifying thing and Tick was not the only one saying a silent prayer to the Eternal Huntress to take pity on those poor innocent souls and to help guide them on to the Eternal Hunt and to find peace in their final rest. The battle itself was over in mere seconds after the trap finally closed. The Scalthor barely had time to get a single shot off before they were completely obliterated by the sheer force of having half their fleet turned against them and from the surprise attack from the Clan Mason ships that were littered throughout the fleet, not a single one of them survived. Sky is a clear, Grand Matriarch. Shall I summon reinforcements from home? Commander Vess's voice came through the comms. 
negative, but all the new cruisers will need additional support troops to run them. So pass word along the fleet to send as many saviours as we can spare to properly secure them and clear them for transport home. Plus I want all of the hostage mail, Scalathor and Draconis, taken from every single ship and returned to the Dreamer, where they'll be transferred into the hands of the Battle Angels. Once their immediate health has been cared for, they'll ship, be shipped back home to be cared for in Zara and Cartes' hive. Those poor, poor creatures have suffered more than anyone ever should have. I will not expose a single one of them to a single second of danger longer than is necessary. Ensure all rescue teams are instructed to handle them with kid gloves. They'll be absolutely terrified, Tick said. Yes, Grand Matriarch, it will be done at once, Vess said and closed off the comms. Over the next hour, shuttles from the Dreamer were ferrying teams back and forth between the captured ships, then returning the captive male Scalathor, They'd found aboard each one, a hundred so far in total. There seemed to be twenty per ship back to the Dreamer. Tick's team headed to the male storage area aboard the ship that they were on, stepping over the bodies of the fallen male scal female Scalathor as they cracked it open. They found the males kept in absolutely horrific conditions, secured to the wall by chained collars, barely able to move further than to the single bathroom they all shared. Not even a bed to sleep upon. Most, most they had between them was a single blanket each to huddle on, on the cold metal floor. Upon seeing the strange alien creatures, the poor wretches were absolutely terrified and tried to huddle together for form some sort of protection, making Tick's heart truly break in two as she watched these poor creatures, some which looked way too young to be in here, which lit a fire in Tick's chest would only be quenched by the blood of the guilty. She crouched down in the middle of the room and removed her helmet, looking at the ball of shaking males, the youngest of which had been pulled into its centre, which would be a thing in vain, but a still noble attempt by their brothers to protect them. It's all right. We're not here to hurt you. No harm will come to you, I promise, Tick said in a soft voice as she could manage. But as she closer she got, the harder the males seemed to shake in fear, most of them squeezing their eyes shut and weeping softly, further adding to Tick's inner pain. Grand Matriarch, if I may? Reggie suddenly said from her side, and Tick looked up at him in slight confusion, until she saw what he was pointing at, and she nodded silently. Reggie was a tall and very broad woman male, with skin as black as the night itself and had muscles that would make most Yujuta males jealous. For all of his size and strength, the man was as gentle as they came. He stepped closer to the knot of males and knelt down in front of them. A couple of the braver ones watched him closely while the others silently clung to their brothers and squeezed their eyes shut out of fear. It's all right, brothers. Look, I'm like you, Reggie said, silently lifting up his head and pointing under his chin to a very prominent Adam's apple in his neck. The braver males looked at him carefully, and slowly a hand came out of the knot, reaching nervously and cautiously out to him. Reggie didn't move a single muscle. He remained as still as a stone. The hand touched his face before recoiling in fright. But Reggie didn't react. He stayed still as a stone. When he didn't respond, the hand came slowly back out, 
and slowly touched his face again, this time running over his smooth skin, slowly turning his head so the owner could examine him, before two fingers ran over his Adam's apple. Male? Like us? One of them said in a very frightened sounding voice. That's right, I'm a human male, Reggie said softly. And now more of the males were starting to open their eyes. Suddenly more hands were appearing, and they were all touching him. These big girls behind me are called Yajuta. They won't hurt you. We would never hurt you. We belong to something called Clan Mason. It's our job to protect you, and people like you, Reggie said softly. Girls always hurt us. One of them said in a very frightened and shaky sounding voice, as he eyed Tick with many suspicions. These girls won't, and they would die to make sure that no others do either. We're going to take you away from here, to a safe place, a place where you'll be treated with kindness and fairness, Reggie said softly. But, but we can't go. If we go, they will beat us, one yelled, and kill us. Another yelled, They'll cut off our horns! Another wailed in fear, and Dick noticed that at least two of them had been dehorned, and her blood began to boil with pure fury. The females of this ship won't be hurting anyone any more. They're all dead, Reggie said with a grimness to his voice. That got the male's attention. Dead? One of them asked, and Reggie nodded. We took this ship from them because they were doing bad things with it, using it to hurt innocent people with it, people like you. That's what Clan Mason does. We protect the innocent, people from bad people like this. You see this? Reggie said, pointing to the shield of the saviours on his crest. All of the males looked at it and nodded. This means I am a saviour of Clan Mason. It is a sworn duty of all saviours to be the shield behind which the innocent are defended. It is a solemn pledge that I will lay down my life to protect anyone worthy of it. And you, my brothers, are worthy. So come, let us help you. Let us take you to a safe and beautiful place where you can know what it's like to be free. Reggie said with such pride and passion in his voice that Tick's heart swelled at the pride in his words. What does a symbol on her chest mean? One of the males asked, pointing to Tick's chest. That is the sword of a hunter. She is a huntress of evildoers. The sword is the symbol that our hunters wear, because they are the sword by which all those that would harm the innocent will perish. Our hunters hunt down the evil wherever it hides and destroys it. She is also our grand matriarch, so it is her job to lead the hunters and then to show every one of them is hand-picked to be a warrior of the light and the good. If you ever see a person wearing either of these symbols, then they are Clan Mason, and they will protect you and defend you no matter what, Reggie explained. It worked. Reggie's soothing tone and soft explanations slowly drew the males out of their protective knot, and soon he found himself stood in the middle of a group of curious scaly males as they looked over the strange alien before them. One of the braver ones even approached Tick, looking up at her with a mixture of fear and hope in his bright orange eyes. 
Here, little one, let me help you. No innocent being should wear these, Tick said, pulling out a compact, falling as you to Warhammer from her back. And as the male tensed up, expecting the worst, Tick broke the, brought the huge metal head down on the chain, securing his collar to the wall, shattering it into bits. That's why we call her Tick Elf Mason, Grand Matriarch of Clang Mason and the Breaker of Chains. Not a single hunter, seeker or saviour who is not proud to stand and fight at her side because she always fights for justice and for good. Reggie said to the truly shocked males who looked at their new friends for help and an explanation for this. The freed male held the broken chain in his hands looking like he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He looked like he didn't quite know what to do with himself now. The breaker of chains, he said softly. Tigaleth turned and with another mighty swing, smashed yet another chain, and then another, and then another. And pretty soon, all of them were stood there, holding the remnants of their chains in their hands. Never again will you be chained like beasts. Never again will you be forced against your will. Never again will you be slaves for another amusement. Now these chains are broken, they will remain so, Tick said in a deep growl. Suddenly one of the males burst into tears and hugged the fragments of the chain to his chest, and no sooner had he began to cry than they all did. It was like years of abuse and pain hit them all at once. They began to hug one another, and even Reggie, and even Tick herself. Now normally Tick would never let another male touch her, but this time she more than allowed it. She embraced it. To see these poor innocent creatures overcome by such emotion as they had suffered come to an end was a truly incredible sight. It made her proud of her clan. Because this right here, this was what Clan Mason was founded for and fully stood for. Males began to chant, Breaker of Chains, over and over again in celebration, holding up their broken chains to one another, if they still couldn't believe it, and to Reggie as well. Eventually, the battle angels actually arrived, and now the freed males were shepherded gently along with completely male teams of Xenos. They seemed to have formed a bond of trust with him, so Reggie was permitted to travel back with them to the Dreamer, so that they would feel safe during the little trip. Once they were safely in the hands of the teams to care for them among their brothers among the, aboard the Dreamer, Reggie finally returned to his post. Tick Ellis herself returned with Hunter One to the Dreamer, but there was no rest to be had here. Her blood cried out for justice and vengeance because of what she had seen, and it was a cry she intended to answer. She pulled the remaining hunter teams from the ships and assembled them back in the Dreamer. When she stepped out, a number of mouths visibly dropped open. Tick had now changed her armour, over for something a little that her beloved Ack had whipped up for her in his spare time. And she'd been itching for both an excuse and a chance to wear it. Now seemed as good a time as any, and honestly, it seemed rather fitting. It was called the Valkyrie Set. Ack had modified both the hunting mask, helmet and armour itself. The helmet had a Nordic style swirls and patterns all over it inlaid with silver and white. Along over the outside of it were ridges with a series of fin-like spikes that added the most resembled horns 
along the outer crest of it. He'd also altered the coverings for her predlock so they were pure ice white, so they really stood outside the gold. The main body was covered in swirls and runes and showing a very Nordic styling to it, and Tick had been completely blown away when he'd given it to her, along with a matching golden warhammer. Now you'll look every bit the warrior huntress leader I know you to be, and when our enemies see you in it, they'll know it too, he'd said when she tried it on. Though to be fair, no sooner had she put it on than she'd wrenched it back off and dove onto him. But that was another story entirely. Now, as she stood before her assembled hunters, she saw the effect of it. These people that she lived and fought with every single day. And if it truly stunned them, then their enemies were in for a real shock now. I'm sure I don't need to tell you what's expected of all of you here. You've seen what these animals do to their own kind, let alone to their enemies. If you are like me, and I know you are, then right now your blood is screaming for justice, for vengeance, for honour, to answer for the crimes that we have witnessed aboard these ships. And I, for one, will take up that cry, and I will porking answer it. Tick roared, and our hunters roared in response, pumping their fists in the air. In the name of Pyre the Eternal Huntress, let's show these porking cowards what happens when you mess with the hunters of Clan Mason. Mount up. We're getting in this fight. Tick roared and her hunters all raced to their pods. It was time to ride the express elevator to hell. Heads up, we've got incoming. Someone from the control room yelled and Jack snapped around so fast it looked like there were three of him briefly. Hostiles? He asked quickly and Liam looked up from the control panel having got there first. Now he was wearing an odd smile. You know what? I think someone missed you, Grand Patriarch. He said and Jack looked confused, until he heard a telltale sound that he knew anywhere. Running out into the yard he saw surface stalker pride scrambling to get into defensive tr positions and they were suddenly training their weapons skywards at the approaching roars. Stand down! Friendly's on approach! He yelled, leaving them all look confused, as the first of the drop pods made a smooth touchdown right in the centre of the yard. And he knew before it even opened who would be in there because there was no way she would lead from the rear, and not from the front. When she had the chance, she was always the first to set foot onto the field of battle, and always the last one to set foot off it. The pod opened, and Jack's breath got taken straight from his lungs, robbing him of his power of speech, as Tick Aleth Mason, his beloved wife and co-leader of Clan Mason, stepped out, looking like a war Valkyrie in her armour the armour that he had made especially to celebrate their anniversary. He had told her that on that day and she would look every bit the warrior huntress that he knew her to be in it. And now she truly shone. Couldn't stay away, huh? All this jungle calling to you, Jack said playfully, making Tick spin around to spot him. She growled happily and walked right up to him, picking him up off the ground in a bear hug and pressing her masked forehead to his. Up close to silver eyepieces he'd fitted to style to stylize collapsible mask were even more impressive now. Holy crap, who the hell's that? She's fucking huge. Jack heard a pride say from close by. Tick heard it too and growled happily inside her mask, clicking proudly. That's Tick Elleth Mason, the breaker of chains and freer of hearts. She's the grand matriarch of Clan Eleth, of Clan Mason and the leader of the hunters. 
So now do you see why I said don't touch your mail? Aramak's voice said from atop one of the tanks. By the great tree, she does look like she could force feed a pride their own tails if she if they tried. A pride sat with him, or rather all over him, said. I've missed you, my beloved one. Just never really feels right not having you at my side during a hunt or a fight, Jack said softly and Tick purred equally as softly. Well, I am here now, my beloved Ack, and I am ready to hunt these cowardly porks down and extract the justice of the eternal huntress from them. I have borne witness to their crimes they've committed against their own kind with my own eyes, and I swear to you it will not go unpunished. Tick snarled darkly. Captive males? He asked, and she shot him a look that asked how he knew, and Jack simply pointed over to one side where a group of them were being tended by male battle angels, while female raptorians stood guard, all obviously grief-stricken that they couldn't get closer and comfort these poor boys without scaring them all half to death. Tick snarled darkly at the sight. Porking cowards will pay twice now. Once for coming here and invading and second for their treatment of the innocent and defenceless. Mark my words, my beloved Ack. The fires of vengeance are stoked and they will be quenched only with the blood of the guilty. She snarled, looking at them. Jack nodded. I feel you, my love. We pulled twenty of them from this place alone. And once where they're prepped, we've made a deal with the Raptorians to relocate them underground to one of their cities where they'll be cared for. In return, the Raptorians are going to send us even more surface talkers to boost our number. Because now they not only know that we can be trusted, but we stand for their ideals as well. He said and Tick purred and nodded approvingly. We have a hundred of them aboard the Dreamer and have made arrangements for them to be transported home where they'd be placed into the care of Tsar and Cortez's hive. The battle angels are handling the arrangements, she said, and now Jack nodded approvingly. Whoa, Grand Matriarch, you look incredible. Is that the new... Is that the new armour the Patriarch made for you? No wonder he kept it such a secret. When our enemies see you charging through the trees in that, they'll be begging Pyre to forgive them, a familiar voice said from both behind them. Both of them turned and saw Ryan grinning at them. My beloved cub, when did you get here? Tick squealed happily, picking their son up in a huge bear hug. He and his team arrived about an hour before you did. Once the comms was restored, we ordered a regroup of our group for ground forces. They've been trickling in over the last hour ever since, Jack said. Once Tick put Ryan down, he began to examine her new armour. And that's when he spotted something. Hey, Patriarch, aren't those... He began before Jack began waving his hands trying to shush him. And Tick noticed and turned to look at them both, as they began whistling like nothing was happening and they were both innocent. Is that what, exactly? She growled suspiciously, trying to look where he'd been looking, near one of her pointed shoulder pauldrons. Oh, nothing, nothing at all, Jack said, trying and failing to be nonchalant. Tick cocked her head and Jack caved. He knew that better than to leave his wife hanging or she'd tear the whole damn thing apart looking for what had caught her cub's attention. All right, fine. I might have just made some slight extra adjustments in regard to the plasma casters. Okay? Jack conceded, and Tick cocked her head, and then turned and activated her targeting system, pointing it away from all living things. Instantly, the fins over, running over her shoulder pauldrons popped up, and four large golden casters rose up on their gimbals. 
What are Mark IX multi-configuration warcasters exactly? She asked, turning her head and stopping dead when she saw the large casters on her shoulders. Well, um, I may have sort of acquired some of the new prototype plasma casters that Yoshi and Citrus's hive have been working on. And, um, maybe finished them? As well as did some slight modifications of my own, Jack said, softly rubbing the back of his head as he spoke. Wait, these casters have a sniper mode, Dick exclaimed, and she must have selected it because instantly all four of the re casters reconfigured, arrowing their barrel barrels and extending them by a factor of three. Now they look like four miniature jet engines with large glowing chokes on them that span in counter-spirals. They can hit targets up to 700 metres away, Dick exclaimed before she spotted something else. And they can fire full auto, she exclaimed before selecting it. The casters reconfigured once again and now appeared to f turn into four tri-barreled miniguns on her shoulders, with glowing cores dead at their centres. Well, I did hear somewhere that every Yajuta girl loves to accessorise. And what's a, a Yajuta girl's new outfit would be complete without four new plasma casters that can spit out a thousand low-yield plasma rounds a minute for Thor three minutes without requiring a recharge exactly, Jack said playfully. Tick shiny new casters reconfigured to their normal mode and then collapsed back into their fin-covered holsters before the fins retracted and hid them completely from sight. Tick spun around and lifted him off the ground, hugging him again. Oh, my beloved Ack! You always know the best way to my heart, she growled deeply. Yep, high-powered weaponry and very sharp, mean-looking blades, Jack said from his position in her arms, making Ryan laugh. Matriarch is a woman of simple tastes, he growled, making his mother growl at him. Nothing wrong with that, young one. You should learn well from your patriarch. A proud huntress is always proud when she's slaying her prey with a weapon forged by the hands of the male she adores because it is a testament to their love and honour for one another, she said proudly. Oh, I do. Haven't you seen Shenna flashing that new sword of hers around at every opportunity? Ryan laughed and Tick growled. She does that so she knows she makes sure that you know, she know that she's honouring you with it, she said, putting Jack back down and Ryan grinned. God, it's above. I can't wait to see Sella's face when she sees what Patriarch made her for her birthday. Ryan laughed and Tick looked at Jack questioningly. Conversation for another time, my heart star. Right now, we have a hunt to plan, Jack said and Tick nodded. With that, they headed towards the command centre. Things were going to get hot. The Masons were going to war. Ah, so that was chapter 27, ladies and gentlemen. And Tick is finally on the field, so things are really going to get hot now. But will the Scalathor and Draconis be able to resist? Or will a Yujuta Huntress kick some serious tail? Going to be only one way to find out the answer to those questions, and so many more. We have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.